0: You're listening to the AFL Unlimited Podcast, where we tackle all the hot topics in the AFL and bring you up to speed with everything you need to know in the football landscape. We'll take a look at this weekend's games and have some mixed discussion about what to expect. Let's head up to the box for the opening bounce. The Crows have pulled themselves out of the grave and turned what could have been one of the worst seasons on record into a promising circuit breaker year, which sees them finally put to bed some bad hoodoo. Richmond reign supreme and brush off the outside noise to reaffirm themselves as a premiership favourites. Lockie Neal is awaiting some tribunal news, which brings us to the discussion of the Brownlow winner being the best and fairest. Meanwhile, the race to make the eight heats up, and with one round to go, we're still no clearer on who will fill those last two spots. All that and more in episode 21 of AFL Unlimited. How are you going, fellas? Good. Oh, 21. Good, good mate. Blackjack, can't believe Down it, well, boys. <laughs> Welcome to AOL.com. Right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it has been a pleasure reading out the uh, the introductions to 21 episodes, <laughs> and there's been many uh, tongue time moments throughout that. But um, it's good to have you this week. We're getting close to the pointy end, and a bit of news around Chookson.
1: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of getting to the pointy end, some people are getting to the end of their careers. We've got a oh. uh, Hello. Puopolo and Stratton, of course, have just announced their retirements. I don't think anyone really forese- foresaw them, you know, having another season. <laughs> um, oh, Gibbs, I did. <laughs> Gibbs, had a very, Gibbs had a very fitting farewell for the Crows against the Blues. Got a win, racked up tons of touches. It was really exciting to see. Um, and Burgoyne is playing on, which was an interesting one as well. You know, he he's, thinks he's still got the legs in him. He could... Crack the 400 game mark and join a few of those others up there, which is pretty impressive effort. What do we think of some of these um, announcements,
0: guys?
2: I don't think Jordan Lewis or Sam Mitchell were stoked about Burgoyne.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were pretty um, salty. It's really hard with the Burgoyne one because the 400, there mightn't be a player who reaches that 400 mark again after this. It's going to be hard to see a player getting there. But also, like, where are Hawthorne at? Do they need a player of that age in their team, shouldn't they be pushing the kids? And unfortunately, Burgoyne was one of their better players on the weekend and they got smashed. And, you know, Popolo and Stratton could go around again. I mean, they're all pretty shot. And Burgoyne, you could say he could stop right now, but obviously they're trying to get into that 400 point. But I think part of that also is Hawthorne have recruited Burgoyne in like an Indigenous liaison role with the club. So I think they are Mm. sort of managing their business quite smart in that they're paying him out of like the player cap. They're, playing, they're paying him more with like the staff salary cap because he will be uh, on two separate roles, I believe. So they're not using necessarily money to pay players with. They're using money to play the staff with. So sort of a half and half deal.
2: Yeah, I definitely think the finances came into it probably more than the 400. I think the 400 might've just been a little cherry on top and, and maybe Burgoyne sees himself at the club doing that type of role potentially long-term where I think Mitchell wanted to sort of source out other opportunities and and take his coaching elsewhere afterwards too. And and Lewis has, you know, wanted to play elsewhere and found himself a nice little gig in the media. So maybe it's just a direction that they've opted to take their, their careers as well.
1: Yeah. fair. I think Burgoyne has been a pretty decent player over this whole time. Like, I think he's still up there, and I think there's a, he's he's been the Mister Fix It for a fair bit, sure where they is, go yeah. the midfield's not going too great. Let's just chuck him in the midfield for a little bit. He'll get a few touches, and I think they do need at least one senior player still sticking around next year to kind of guide the guys a bit. And I've, without him, they've got pretty much no, or maybe Isaac Smith will still be around, but
2: and Liam Shields so it's about. There's not much, yeah. is there? Because you think Frawley. I mean, could he retire? I definitely think it could be that point too where maybe they didn't want to just throw out a whole heap of experience and leadership, particularly Sicily, who's a guy who may have captained the club and and that could be in jeopardy given he'd be out for the whole season. So it could have been along those lines, I reckon, shook not getting too much leadership straight out the door in one hit.
3: Yeah, obviously, um, yeah, I don't think Hodge, Mitchell... (laughs) Lewis, yeah, it's it's so so strange because they're completely in the rebuild mode, but yet they're still sort of giving them a go. I think that 400, obviously, yeah, tying in with finances would be a big reason. But, yeah, I think those players, to an extent, have a right to be a bit disappointed that they wouldn't be considered sort of in the same vein as Burgoyne. Um, yeah, it must just be like that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But getting rid of champions is never easy and... Um, yeah, Clarko's mate made the tough call on a few and yeah, there might be some eyebrows raised with obviously letting Burgoyne play on, but they've yeah, they've obviously got to get rid of a few more, I suppose, in that vein of thinking. So, um no, it's yeah, it's very interesting that he decided to play on he's, he's been okay this year, but I wouldn't say he'd be yeah, jumping straight in their best twenty two and you gotta think of guys that could get twenty two games of experience next year and what that's costing there, but Clarko knows best, apparently.
1: <laughs> Just <laughs> so ask no good. <laughs> I'd say um, with that, so we obviously know there's players like Harry Taylors, obviously, and Gary Abbott all going to be saying goodbye. Do you think there's any other players springing to mind off the top of your head based on this season that might be on their, their final hurrahs, even though they haven't announced it yet?
0: I think um, the one that jumps straight away is probably Cade Simpson. I think Carlton might have announced something today. They really weren't sure about where he was going. Eddie Betts is probably in that same category as well. Um, was that the one you were thinking of as well? or
3: Nathan Jones has been uh, in oh, yes, sort of a little yes. bit of spotlight as well, whether they do a similar thing with Bergman, just let sort him of get to 300. Um, so, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if he plays on. I don't think he's in their best side. and. No. Yeah, I think his you know his injuries are mounting creating now. a bit of a toll on yeah. uh, himself and the D's. So you'd like to think that they might they may get him over the line for three hundred and like keep him very reduced in terms of finances and games played and like just get to that three hundred. So that'll be interesting to see what they decide there, I the I
0: don't think Melbourne have the luxury of carrying a player to three hundred though, like Hawthorne do with Burgoy and Shorty I don't know if you're going to make that same point but Hawthorne aren't contending for finals next year we'll talk about it later but I'm pretty sure Melbourne will want to be contending for finals next year so I don't think they'll have that luxury
2: (laughs) yeah I mean imagine the outrage if they were continuing along their mediocre sort of stuff and and then they just celebrate game 300 and it's all lovey-dovey and they're still wallowing in their unsuccessful period. I don't think that would go down very well with too many, but I don't have any other players to add. But it's a real shame, isn't it, that players retiring at the moment don't get the same send-off as others in regards to that crowd, mm. sort of atmosphere and saying goodbye. And Sure, they'll get the chance to go around the ground at some point when fans are there, but it's just not quite the same. I'm mm. watching a few Cats players down at Cadenia Park, and, and you know it's their last game, and it's it's just... More enjoyable to send them off when you're there. It's an actual game. They get the ball, you cheer them, that sort of thing. So it's just another thing to add to the list of disappointments for 2020, but that's all right. Mm.
1: Yeah.
3: You won't true. get to say Gary playing ever I again. No, I'm actually shattered about yeah, it. Yeah, that sucks. Little master. No good. No
1: good. But we go from players who it's, it's their time to, to call it quits to, to a player who I don't think. It's their time to not be playing games. They should definitely be in the team. Stephen Cornelio, the captain of the GWS Giants, 26 years of age, signed a seven-year deal in 2019, still one of their best players and was probably one of their best players the week before he got dropped still, I believe, was dropped for literally what you would say was a, an elimination final, perhaps, on the line there. The fact that they're fighting to get a chance in the eight and they dropped one of their best players for a very controversial statement. I don't know what was going on there, guys. Anyone have thoughts? Anyone agree with the Giants' decision in hindsight?
2: I didn't agree with it at the time, and it certainly doesn't look good now. I just don't think... You can probably make a similar statement just in a different way by not dropping your skipper. I mean, I don't think he was that out of touch. Like you said, Chook, it's been... 22 years since a club dropped their captain and there's probably a reason for that it, they're the captain for the reason and, and maybe the stats aren't always their best but they can lead in other ways and, yep. and it was such a big game that you needed in there I would have thought just for that heart and soul and inspiration but I would have thought maybe there were other big sort of names that you could drop to get a similar reaction out of the group but you know if they get up and win look they looked like doing for a lot of the night, we probably go, gee, great call. Cool. You know, they got the response they were after, but they lose and all of a sudden it's like, gee, what are you doing? But <laughs> I didn't like it.
3: A bit of a double-edged sword, that one. Um, yeah, I, I think Keneally is far from their worst player and they definitely yeah. could have gone to other players, obviously. And it's funny because a guy, uh, Brent Daniels, I've sort of questioned in the <laughs> past. He, he's only He kicked just 11 goals last year in 26 games. And he kicked only two goals up until uh, the game against the D's, and he kicked three on the night. So, he just comes I mean, alive in September tears. Yeah, he lo- <laughs> he loves a sausage roll. So um, they de- they definitely could have gone, uh, I suppose, if they wanted to send that kind of message, I would have done it a bit earlier than what they did do it. And I don't think a player in Canelio's ilk should be dropped considering, yeah, he, he gives a red eye crack every single week. So not the right call. It's
0: easier to say in hindsight, but... Uh,
3: yeah, you can even, why was Sam Reed
0: in. in the team? What what does Sam Reed who came in for his first or second, second game of the year bring yeah. that Canelio and even an out of form Canelio doesn't do? Like Well really, it's yeah, I mean it's obviously more complex than
2: that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean we all know that Canelio is a far better player than Reed, but there's obviously <laughs> something in it that Yeah to provoke something within the group for a statement, wasn't it? It wasn't like, let's pick our best 22, because we know he's in there. They were clearly looking to put out a message, something Cornelio wasn't doing. They obviously wanted to highlight in the most dramatic way, and
0: that's to drop him, shock the side. Didn't work. So. Guess what? A bigger message would have been dropping Jeremy Cameron, who's looked listless, and keeping Riccardi yeah. in instead of managing him, who's yeah, interesting, arguably yeah. outperformed Cameron in the last four weeks.
1: Yeah, that's very fair. I really thought that um, North Melbourne's dropping of Polek and that was going to end up being the, the biggest shock, you know, dropping and stuff. But no, no these giants said, we're going to win one battle this year, guys. We're going to win the it's dumbest decision. The
0: oh. Well, um, Aslava Radagalia did spoil his own goal for his team. So that was, uh, we still got that to <laughs> think about. <so. laughs> we'll,
1: we'll have a look at that in I'll the awards. <laughs> at the end of the year.
3: <laughs> when you, um, so you cost on
1: top four <laughs> they, they were in such such Desperate need to keep Canelio in the side Last year obviously they signed him to such a massive Deal yeah. so much money To risk potentially there's been talk Now going oh does that send a sign to him Was he going to maybe look at trying to do A trade or get a trade out of there Like after all that effort and they Just upset the apple cart Even further Like it's Very interesting, and just
0: in a, in a broader scope as well. Sorry, Chuck, just to have a team that made the grand final last year to drop out of the, the finals in general, I think Tiz, you'll probably know better than me. But was Hawthorne the last team to do that in 2008 and 9? And then they had a little rebuild period, and that's and the a dogs pretty make didn't it from, in Didn't, didn't the, make the Crows
2: no. this? Oh, yeah,
0: not, not the grand final? Oh, yeah, not the
2: grand
0: final. Didn't plan. the Crows? Drop they out after they, they would start. have dropped out of finals too. So, yeah, you obviously see what's uh, happened to the Crows, but we'll get to them later. <laughs> and They look to be on the, on the way up finally now after rock bottom.
1: Yeah. Um, but we look to a few players maybe at the end of their career, as we said, and getting dropped. It looks like Papley at the Swans might be staying put after all. After a lot of talk of him going to Carlton, obviously, last year, wanting to get there and get to a few other cl- clubs. He's, um, he's staying at the Swans is what the word is at the moment. Did you guys see that coming after what's been happening so far?
3: I think, yeah, the Swans are on the right track. So if uh, Sydney were going, I suppose, in a downward trajectory, uh, he might have thought about other opportunities. But he's sort of been the man up forward without Franklin. And I think, yeah, he's really relished that role. Sort of that, um, yeah, small forward line uh, yeah goal sneak and... I think, yeah, the Swans are looking really good. They're rebuilding well. They're doing it the right way and I think, yeah, Papley's relishing in that role and, yeah, obviously if they were going a bit more downhill, he might have looked elsewhere, but um, yeah, they're looking good with Papley in the side.
1: Yeah, fair. Because you think maybe it was just a case of he wasn't getting the recognition that he wanted last year and that's why maybe he wanted to get out. Who really knows? And, And now that he's you know, the big man on campus, he's, he's happy enough to, to stick around. Um, we move on then to, that was the major news. We'll, we'll cut back to um, the actual games, which is generally pretty important too. Tiz, I'll let you get on with it. Round 16,
3: yeah. 17. Yeah, there's about 12 games to cover. So uh, <laughs> we'll keep some of these uh, brief and discuss the, uh, I suppose, yeah, the more hard-hitting games in a greater depth. Melbourne Frio, they battled and 301 by 14 points shook
1: yeah rinse and repeat i had there melbourne just losing another one that they really should have capitalized on while they're trying to push for finals and it could prove costly for them in the end just as the week before losing to uh the swans i believe it's a bit, a bit disappointing way to be trying to come back into finals
3: Yeah, they've had some uh, funny results. Uh, The season has gone from bad to worse and obviously it's gone up a little bit since I wrote this last, but a disappointing result in the context at the time. Freo started the game uh, with six points, so they were inaccurate, but they should have been up by much more. Greasy conditions made it pretty tough. Um, Freo blitzed them around the ball and overwhelmed the D's defence with inside 50s. After inside 50s, the Dockers had complete control of the ball on the outside, plus 198 in uncontested possessions, plus 42 in marks. Cheryl was excellent with 30 disposals and a goal. And Walters was the match winner up forward with three. Petrarca and Gaunt were good for the Ds, but weren't able to get the job done. So <laughs> we move on to um, yeah, getting some breaths in. That's for sure, Langs. Bit of paddy Cripps there. Uh, Adelaide had the Giants. Adelaide by 12 in a big upset.
1: Yeah, in, in a similar vein to the last game finals. Anyone? Anyone? It's just, it's just really, cause obviously giants are right up there to try and get a s- spot as well. And they're, they're choking just like Melvin uh, were. It, it seems like it's a battle for, for not making the eight. Everyone's like, God, I don't want to do this for another five weeks. Let me get back home.
0: Choking <laughs> really about as much time. as Zverev in the U S open chook.
1: Oh, Oh, Ouch. Very relevant. Good (laughs) bird.
3: Welcome to Tennis Unlimited. Uh, The Crows record back-to-back wins in season 2020. Like Melbourne, GWS have stumbled at a horrible time. Adelaide got the jump on the Giants and there was no coming back for GWS this time. Uh, They've obviously been a little bit plucky in some games where teams got a lead. Adelaide said no siree. Adelaide dominated the Giants around the ball, got field position and gave their forwards plenty of looks. Plus 10 in the clearances, plus 23 inside fifties told the story. The Crouchers, they smashed the Giants in the middle, 58 touches between them. Laird had 28 with 11 clearances. Whitfield again was brilliant for the Giants. He got 29, five marks and seven tackles. On to some more finals talk or lack of finals talk for Carlton. Uh, They lost to I'm sorry, <laughs> they got the job done. <laughs> Over the Swan's five, we're going a long five. way back here <laughs> well,
1: five points. It's uh, yeah, it's a fair way back. <laughs> uh, Cultural game winner is what I had. It was obviously the highlight seeing him kick that goal within that celebration. <laughs> he had, the, I think he went the old Titans yeah, out to try and celebrate that one, but he's like, "Boys, jump on my back! I'll save you the last minute." <laughs> it was pretty good to see.
3: It's funny because I tipped Sydney and then I just assumed Sydney won, but they lost. So I started <laughs> off well. A turn of fortune in this game Carlton started off slowly but finished strongly. So we've known they've been really good, strong starters and not finishing games well. Sydney had the game sorted with the first three goals, but turned from there. As the game wore on, the Blues were too strong on the inside and gave their forwards plenty of supply to get a winning score on the board. Carlton took 30 more marks, plus 14 inside 50s, plus 23 in contested possessions, where it's all done and dusted. Walsh played a ripping game. He got 25, a goal, nine marks and 600 metres gained. Uh, Really good numbers there. Lloyd was one of Sydney's best with
0: 24 disposals. And Langs, you've got some thoughts, some really good thoughts here. I do have some thoughts, Tarzan. I have many thoughts. Most of them are about you. But um, how stiff was Cottrell kicking the match winner? Yes, he had a pretty quiet game, but... To be honest, I think he's been pretty exciting and offers little flashes of brilliance here and there. But to be able to take the poise to actually get the mark and go back and kick the goal and win the game for them, I would have thought surely that would have guaranteed him a game next week. But no, they dropped him for bets and yeah, wasn't much happening in the game. We'll talk about a bit later on, but I just thought that was pretty stiff on, uh, on young Cottrell.
1: Yeah, I like your Trump, your Trump impersonation there, Langers. I have thoughts. I have many thoughts. Great thoughts. Big great thoughts. thoughts. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Welcome to US Unlimited. Uh, Brisbane has <laughs> Brisbane, <laughs> the Gold Coast Suns. And it was Brisbane by 45 points. Uh, big win.
1: Uh, Rainer goes big is what I had there. He kicked three goals. He had a fair presence, which was exciting to see. He should have kicked four, but... He just didn't take his time with that last kick. He just rushed it for no reason, straight through the behinds. But um, that was the most interesting factor that I had for the game myself.
3: Fags was about to get uh, the shotgun out. I think on <laughs> he, he was not. He was not very happy at all. Fags. Uh, Brisbane hit Gold Coast. Out of the park with a five goal to one opening term. It's a pretty violent review, this one. Um, (laughs) They scored (laughs) scored their 12th win of the season and all but still up a top four spot. um, And we'll discuss soon, they've sewn up a top two spot since. Uh, Reality check for the Suns after the big win against North Melbourne in recent times. The Lions were too good all over the ground and they were never really challenged. They had it uh, all on their terms in the air, taking 36 more marks and nine more marks inside fifty. The great Zorko was back to his brilliant best with 25 disposals, two goals, nine marks, four tackles, four clearances, some ripping wow, numbers. A saucy game. Uh, it's a pretty good game if you play Supercoach. Uh, Neil racked <laughs> up another 33 disposals, six clearances, and potentially another vote or two. Ellis and Graham were combined together for 50 touches for the Suns. Uh, Lions getting it done easily there. We move on to a ripping game. It was St. Kilda and the West Coast Eagles with the Eagles getting the job done here by 15 points.
1: Yeah, away from home. I think they're, they're finally happy that they're able to win games <laughs> outside of <laughs> their home ground in Perth. They beat the Saints at a, at the Gabba, I believe it was. It was pretty impressive to see, especially after the week before where they... <laughs> got um be- taken taken out by the dogs <laughs> you guys
0: cackling away you me. just have <laughs> you just inhale like eight gym beams in that ad break chalk, we've lost would... the plot over here sorry we'll straighten it up Chuck we'll just sounded a little go. bit away from home there when he came back from he that just, ad break. he got emotional <laughs> he was just like oh the saints i thought they were gonna <laughs> yeah, win <laughs>
3: <laughs> he just oh, really geez. wanted the Saints to win. And, yeah, yeah could I feel did the too. In your voice. I thought they were
0: <laughs> home, but no, West. That it was very similar. Just quickly before we get into it, Tiz. I thought it was yeah. a very similar game to um when Geelong played West Coast in 2018, and Tim Kelly kicked that goal, and Dwayne oh, yeah. was like the team that didn't want him, and we, I oh, thought we were absolutely no, home, me. and then West Coast just have this knack of piling goals on, and they won. I think, I think they kicked five or six goals in six minutes after that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, some emotional
3: stuff for myself a must win game for both sides with the Eagles stars getting the job done when it counted an up and down contest all night and the Eagles kept killed it to just three goals three quarter time but then the Saints hit back uh, interestingly enough three quick goals in the final turn the first three so they kept themselves in the game but the inaccuracy really cost them uh, I suppose a good chance they kicked 6-14 so that doesn't help you out Despite winning the clearances by 10, the Saints weren't able to pierce through the Eagles' defence. And uh, I'll tell you what, Barras was sensational. I just saw him take 100 intercept marks. Oh. He was really good. Tim Kelly was sensational. Oh, I think he's the best game for the club. 30 disposals, yeah. one goal, two, nine clearances, 500 metres gain, two goal assists. That's as mm. juicy as it gets. Gaff had 33 and a goal. And Nick Nat tore the game apart. He had 18 touches, which is not normally his go. His impact is pretty significant. 33 hit-outs, 9 clearances, and steal again. Super 4. The Saints, 26 touches and 7 clearances. So,
2: yeah, Nick Matt, <laughs> not normally known for his ball-winning ability, but that'd be...
3: I don't know. I'm sure he's got 20
2: at some point, but 18 is pretty lot high for Nick old Nick, Nick Matt. Nick Matt. Yeah.
3: In shorter... Yeah. Stephen shorter Quarters. Quarters. <laughs> <laughs> big, big game, though, which uh, was not good. Geelong and Richmond... Um, for those fans at home, the Cats fans. Have not the best night, but uh, is Richmond comfortably? or 26, Richmond? Richmond.
1: Yeah. Really is September. Um, we saw both their September action there. We saw Richmond taking it on and, and, and playing really what, good football and we saw Geelong just collapsing a little bit. As they do tend to do the last few years in September. Oh, so, gee. <laughs> how did the game go? Tears. Bit of a recap. That's
3: a good point. Yeah, familiar scenes. Um, looking at the calendar, it is September and the Cats losing an important game. But off the top, uh, Richmond's last three wins have been 27, 27, 26. So we talk about consistency, and that's uh, they are. The definition of it. The Tigers dismantled the Cats in their ball movement. Hawkins was triple teamed all night and Geelong weren't able to stop Richmond's intercept mark game. That was so frustrating, I'll delve into it soon. When Richmond did go, Geelong simply couldn't keep up with them, the run and dash, which uh, ended up involving a number of scoring chains for the Tigers. Richmond's pressure was supreme and they were able to defend Geelong kicks into the corridor, which stifled ball movement and even numbers inside 50 for the Cats. Geelong won the clearances, 32-16. Kind of like the Dockers, but uh, it didn't really matter. Contestable and also outmarked Richmond, 111 marks to 73, but simply weren't as effective as the Tigers. Grimes and Martin were brilliant and invaluable in the final result. Stewart was super for the Cats. He got 25 and 8 marks. So, um, yeah, guys, it was was a tough game to watch, and I I was bitterly disappointed after the game because there was three out of four good results. We either smashed Richmond, which would be absolutely ace, we just win Rich against Richmond, or we just lose, and we got the fourth result, which I was I was absolutely livid by the end of the game. Yeah,
0: it, it was really unfortunate because, yeah, I was I was really nervous as I was talking to you guys in the group chat before the game. And Shorty, you said what are your thoughts? How confident do you feel? And I said I'll get back to you in five minutes. And five minutes yeah. later, I was rattled. And you know, we kicked a one-on-three to Hawkins in the goal and he could have marked it and kicked the first goal. And after that, we didn't look like scoring pretty much for the rest of the game. So. Obviously, Rowan out really hurt Geelong, and I think we realised how much we miss him. And I think Tom Hawkins realised how much he misses him too, because I think he does so much work. We've seen it almost subconsciously the whole year. Rowan blocking and shepherding for Hawkins, even on the goal line, blocking and shepherding, allowing for goals to go through. But I'd love to pressure and run, yeah. It was it was disappointing, but I think I was saying to you guys during the week as well, I, I would rather lose this one than potentially lose to them in finals again. And I, I genuinely would love to have another crack at them with Rowan, Stanley, Selwood, potentially Ablett back in this team. And not saying it would change the result, but you know that's our bad game now against them this year and surely we can't have two, I hope. Yeah, you've just got to learn plenty from it, don't you? I
2: mean... We've beaten them in two home and away matches and then lost to them in a final. So, you know, it doesn't always equate, does it? I didn't feel any more confident in the final having beaten them previously. And I don't think coming into a final, I'll feel any worse having lost to them here. I think we've just got to take something away from the game. And and you're right with Rowan, just that need for another target to loom dangerous because Grimes have lost and showed no respect to any of the others and they didn't deserve respect. So they just... All Bolter had to do was engage Hawkins enough yeah. and they just swamped And in combination with pretty slow ball movement, which is from Richmond's unbelievable structure and, and just discipline, ability to produce that structure every week. And they just surged the ball forward all the time. Yeah, I mean, they're a bloody good side. So it was a bit rattling, no doubt about it. But yeah, like you said, Langers, I'd love to get another crack at them. How impressive is Bolter?
3: Probably one of the most improved players in the AFL. I'd say he's, he's still only 20. He looks like he's 140 good kilos and 300 centimeters. Yeah, he's just
2: massive. He started and off just like a rogue giraffe, didn't he? Like <laughs> a like baby a giraffe, yeah. He just was running around all over the place. You didn't know yeah. whether he knew what he was doing. Yeah. But
0: he's very good player now. Very good. And little yeah. Liam Baker as well was just, feel like Baker and Loston were just running out of the back line the whole mm. time, Chuck.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, as you, you mentioned about having full lists to see how it would go. Doesn't look like Richmond will have a full list uh, with Ivan Soldo. Terrible injury to see him go out. That was um, pretty disappointing uh, yes. to see. Yes. Um, you'd think Nankervis would probably be, you know, their number one ruck and can probably handle it, the load. But just to see Soldo, who who was coming along pretty nicely this season, um, go out. It was it was pretty um, it was pretty disappointing for a, a Tigers perspective.
0: Maybe Ochoa, obviously, to come back in for the Tigers, who's been really impressive this year. Um, He sort of just fell out of the side quietly, um, and he'll, he'll do a good job for them up forward and in the ruck. But, yeah, that's a massive, massive injury blow for Richmond, and the injury was pretty gruesome. But the worst thing about the Soldo issue was when he tried to put weight on that knee, and it just buckled, and it looked like it was just holding on by one tendon, and that was it. It was very disgusting to watch, and I felt really bad for him. Yeah, you've got to have a bloke like Chole on the side because, I mean,
2: Nankervis's groins and knees could just explode at any <laughs> yep. moment. So, and is there any update
0: on Lynch's hammy? Was there? I, he'll be pushing to come back for their first final. That is what yeah, it was. Okay. It was a hamstring, so three to four weeks. Yeah, I wasn't sure whether it was just one of those minor ones or, or a Harris Andrews one, but that's all right. Mm. Just for the record, before we move on as well, Chuck, I, I reckon Donald Trump would be a Richmond supporter, Another also. Chump. <laughs> Donald Trump, Trumpy, I reckon he would be a Richmond supporter. We're the best club, the best club. We've got the best players, and uh, those boys did nothing at the strip club. It's all the fake news media and. Uh...
3: Yeah, <laughs> the tinfoil hat guys and so <laughs> <all>
0: forth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, of course
3: Tom Lynch wasn't going to be on the larger end of the spectrum, but hopefully, hopefully the Crows can do us a massive favour.
0: Yeah, that'd be sick, wouldn't it?
3: Uh, that would be all right. I think we'd face Brisbane,
0: and they would face Port Adelaide. I wouldn't mind them facing Port Adelaide again because they uh, did. Just from get a the job done. perspective, sorry, I I don't care who we play first week of finals. I don't care where. I only care about the result. And if we get a bad draw in the first week of finals, I'd, I'd rather win because that, that means if we win, that's fantastic for us. So that, that doesn't concern me too much, but alas. Let's see how we go
3: with the bye. North had Fremantle and Frio, 64-point winners, a massive win, uh, North. Oh, yikes. Yeah, eyes on
1: 2021. In this case, North are already given up this year. They're just looking at what's going to happen next year. Think they're going to be seeing much more success. And Fremantle, gee, my eyes are going to be on them in 2021 because I don't reckon if – they're just off getting their chance in the eight. If they'd managed to slip in this year, I would have actually been a bit concerned about having to play them if you had to play them down in WA. Yeah. But they're just probably going to miss out, unfortunately.
0: Very impressive, Chook. You're right.
3: Impressive uh, win from the Cats when we did play the Dockers. We, at the time, we weren't too sure, but pretty good win over there in the West in those conditions. Uh, North season goes from bad to worse with another embarrassing, embarrassing, embarrassing. performance.
0: Yeah.
3: As Fremantle record their high score of the season, uh, if that's not an indictment, I don't know what it is, uh, the Roos have thrown in the towel for season 2020, showing a lack of pressure once again, and the Dockers put them to the sword. So you spot on, Chuck, they pretty much have just said, no, nah, this is too hard. Uh, They were beaten up in the contest and on the outside. Freo had complete control of the match and never looked threatened. Uh, The Dockers obviously had 73 extra uncontested possessions in the count, uh, which is just a poor work rate issue on the north side and really good from the Dockers. Compounded by the fact that Freo had nearly 100 more disposals and they still led tackles. So if you're down in disposals and and not up in tackles, there's something severely wrong. Very wrong. Yes. Hogan and Walters fired up four, kicking seven goals between them. Akers was very solid with 24 and nine. He's been pretty decent uh, since he's been back on the side. Anderson was one of the Roos' best of 24, six tackles. And um, he, no, that might be another player, but we'll go Higgins and Anderson, good respectively with 19 and 20 disposals I think, um, respectively.
0: I think, was it Davies Uniac that had 19? He was quite good again for North. Um, and funny, the two weeks after I mentioned that Walter should play midfield and get out of the forward line, he's kicked six goals in those two <laughs> <Yeah>. weeks. <so.
3: laughs> I was thinking of that. That was funny. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's okay.
0: We'll um, move over to Port Adelaide
3: and Essendon and probably think about a bit of a break. Uh, Port's got the job done by 50 points, another big win.
1: Yeah, similar vein to what I said last week, but more focusing on the three today. Rockliffe, Gwines, Oak. That combination is looking really hot coming into finals. They got, obviously, they all racked up over 30 last week, but in this game, they all looked on fire again. It's amazing, like, performance by Rockcliffe, considering he was on the outer early on in the season. Mm. He's just come back in and, and playing a really important role. And I think they all kicked a goal as well. So they're not just. You know, racking up possies, they're, they're having impact on the scoreboard as well, which is going to be pretty exciting for finals time.
0: And funny that we were saying Rockliffe and Wines couldn't play in the same team earlier in the year, Chook. They've obviously done some work and found a good balance. Indeed. Sensational points there, Chook,
3: because they, they have been awesome. Port Seal off top two, home final spot with another impressive display against the Bombers. Essendon led at quarter time. Um, But 10 goals to two after quarter time, quickly put them to bed and they were sleeping like babies uh, in no time. Mm. Port were deadly inside the contest and had it on their terms in the air, 66 to 44 in the marks, 12 to three marks uh, inside 50. Out-tackled the Bombers as well, even though Port had more of the ball and that's again, that's Mm. all down to work rate. Rockcliffe, as you mentioned, chalk off the top, had it on a string. He had 31, uh, kicked a goal, six tackles. Dixon could have had a big night, but it was still a big presence early on with two goals, three, six marks. Uh, Devin Smith was sold with 26, seven marks, along with Ridley's 23 disposals, four marks. Yeah, but though Rockcliffe, since being dropped, he hasn't missed a beat. Smith playing off the half-back
2: line now. Is that a little bit of a role change anyone else
3: has picked up?
0: Um, Yes. In regards to Supercoach, he had that week out short, and Mm -hmm. I think he's averaging 93 or 95 since he's been back. And, yeah, yeah, he's a very good user of the ball and an experienced person. Would be great if he was actually playing that role for the whole year and not scoring 50s in my Supercoach forward line as my F3, but that would be fantastic. (laughs)
2: Um, the Bombers are on the nose, something shocking. I mean, I listen to the radio all day, every day, and Bombers faithful, they are restless. I think yeah. you could make a good argument that they are the most disappointing team for this season. There's a few that have put their hand up for that, but I'll tell you what, they are sick of War's fault, and they're sick of seeing these same sort of results, and they just want to win a final, and it seems a long way away at the minute.
1: Radio every day, you say. I'd I'd be more on the line to think the podcasts Mm -hmm. are the future, Shorty. (laughs) I also agree with that. But before we do do (laughs) go to the
0: break, how quick is Wersfeld to distance himself from the club saying, you know, Essendon are going to go here and the supporters. He wasn't referring to them as we or us. He was referring to the supporters as they and the club and Essendon. And it's got awkward i reckon yeah it's, it's really really awkward. awkward it's yeah. it's
1: and he got a third pronoun beforehand and yeah <laughs> it's it's got yeah. to the stage where
0: Essendon need to be saying all right mate Rutton's taken the last game <laughs> equality unlimited here yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um that nice. pretty much brings us to the break so we're gonna have a, a quick little break You might go get a tim tam tiz or a mars bar or something like that and we'll be back yeah. and uh we'll get straight no, into no the not. next game
3: GWS had Melbourne and it was the Ds by five points.
1: Yeah. Back to an early point from the pod. Captain were five. You guys Ooh. reckon Cornelio could have helped him get a few extra points in that game or had an impact? That's uh, an interesting discussion point. But uh, Tiz, let us know what actually happened in the game instead of hypotheticals.
3: Yeah, Cogs doesn't mind a goal. Uh, that's okay. A clutch victory gives the Demons hope for their finals chances while the Giants have left destiny in the hands of other clubs. I think they're like $10 to make the finals now. So uh, I think, yeah, a club's going to have to lose two and other clubs are going to have to lose games. and They're going to have to win. Uh, The Ds jumped out. (laughs) Thank you. Yep. Uh, The Ds jumped out of the blocks with five goals in the opening term to set up a much needed victory. A mature performance from Melbourne who had to do it the hard way coming back from being down at three quarter time. Ultimately, it was the D's toughness and efficiency inside 50. They got the job done. 60% efficiency inside 50 compared to the Giants' 44%. So, the D's will be happy with that because that's been a bit of a chink in their armour for a long time and they've addressed it in this game. Daniel, that doesn't, I don't even know, kicked a career high. But what, are you, what are you typing, Tyson? Yeah, you definitely yeah I'm kicked like, Daniel, I'm like, who is this? And it is <laughs> Brand who's kicked two goals for the year and he's kicked three uh, last well, yeah, over the weekend. So, that was really good.
2: You have a vodka through the break, mate.
3: Don't get his tin like, in, like, absolute Daniels? vodka. <laughs> yeah, geez, I don't know. <laughs> Kelly was good with 24. Williams listed with 18 touches, two goals. Uh, for the Ds, was Gorn's dominance. Petrarca's brilliance, 22 in a goal. Salem got uh, 19 in a goal. Langdon's hard running all night, 23 touches. So Thanks, mate. They did well.
0: Yeah, um, how how good was Daniel's little dribbler goal that had a very, very tight curve on it. It didn't even look like it was going to make it initially. And then it just curved late and a good shepherd on the line and it was over. But quite a good game. Pretty good to watch and exciting right down to the the end. And Melbourne's best is good enough, but they don't do it enough. But they do have, Daniel, the utensils to bake a very good cake. Oh, Oh, hello. hello. That is very true. And
2: How frustrating would they be to follow? They... You've got the Giants, the Dogs, and the D's. I all feel like, heck, you wouldn't want to see them them against you. Or you wouldn't want to match them up on a finals day where they're absolutely on song. As we found out in
0: 2018.
2: Yeah. Yes. But equally, they could go out in awful fashion. Like you said, their best is damaging. But, gee, they are so hard to predict. And Daniel's goal was good, but I thought Petrarca's was Bloody unbelievable yeah. as well. Just the, the talent to do that, the one-handed pickup and the big boy Bender. It was it was tasty. Boy.
0: And Trent Rivers inside out torp at the end to seal it. Was, yeah. Yeah. It's
1: amazing that these all come out the week after we were, you know, discussing some of our favourite goals and all that. It's
3: pretty, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah, great timing. <laughs> really
1: um, yeah.
3: Britt Rivers uh, looks to be the goods. He's <laughs> he's really done some yeah, nice good. things and uh, that, that's a clutch moment to, uh, yeah. Love it. Just love it. Carlton had Adelaide. You would have, uh, a lot of people would have tipped the blues. Oh, I don't think I did, but uh, Adelaide got the job done by 16 points.
1: Yeah, in line with the goals we were talking about. Cripps only medal might be the uh, goal of the year potentially this Ouch. year. <laughs> no premiership medal, that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> Boy, that goal was really impressive. That was definitely my highlight of the highlight of the round, if not the year.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty sensational goal. Uh, and as I, my first point was Cripps kicks one of the goals of the year in a brave Carlton fireback, but weren't able to take home the chocolates. Uh, no Tim Tam's for the Blues. Their lengths, Adelaide's pressure overwhelmed the Blues, and their ball movement uh, allowed them to do damage on the scoreboard. Carlton's come back uh, from winning it at the source and being much more direct, moving the ball inside 50 really quickly. Uh, whilst they fell short, it was a disastrous first half where the Crows kicked eight goals to one and that's just simply not good enough. Adelaide's work on the outside hurt the Blues, plus 40 in uncontested possessions. Um, Mackay was a standout for the Blues. He kicked four. And um, obviously, Lab was really good, 28. Gibbs got 27. Shoal. Really good. Two goals, 24 disposals. They did the job for Adelaide. And uh, not too bad from uh, some younger guys in there,
0: namely Shoal. Lockie's a really good Shoal kicker, isn't he? It (laughs)
3: is
0: (laughs) not he No, Good one. We talk about Adelaide's season and how terrible it was, and now they're on equal points with North Melbourne. But their kids have really driven their resurgence this year. Um, Schoenfield. He's been great. Sean Schönberg. <laughs> <Schoenberg. laughs> One of the esch names. Um, I love it. Uh, Mc- these
1: kids have been great, haven't they? Um, let me just well, read this let list. Me just <laughs> check, <laughs> let me
0: just check my notes. Um, Himmelberg. <laughs> McAdams, not a kid, but he's new to footy and he's been mm. fantastic. Two Mark of the Year nominations now and can kick a goal. And your mate, Tiz Tyson Stengel, he's been yeah, playing yeah. really well.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's kicking goals and doing things. <laughs> yeah, you're right with the uh the
0: youngsters and I tell you what it's way better
2: to finish the year good yes. as a young side than start it because the sons have started the year well at times and then they just get absolutely cooked for ending it poorly but we are talking about the Crows as one of the worst, um, the worst ever teams, in, teams. The, in the history of AFL yeah. football. And now they string a couple together. Oh, gee, how good are these young guns? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely way better to end well. And you go, gee, we'll kick start ourselves for 2021. But
0: they are looking much better now. And it started in I'd the say- Geelong game too. They Yes. Like, they, yeah, they could have easily beaten us.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's agree. almost in vain similar to the uh, the what we mentioned before with... With North versus Fremantle, those two contrasting sort of finishes to the season, where Adelaide Crows are, are mm. smashing the door down, and you know people might think they could even upset the Tigers somehow, um, whereas Carlton are just kind of limping their way. They're just luck is all they have on their side now to try and make the make the eight in the end. It's yeah. it's quite contrasting performances.
3: Very nice, boys. Hawthorne had the Western Bulldogs and the dog's pretty easy, 36 points.
1: Yeah, haven't stopped biting those dogs. Oh. It feels like it was a while back when we said the Bulldogs bite back when they were performing so poor, but they just keep, they keep on going and they might be looking themselves to be dangerous come, come finals if they manage to, to hold their place.
3: Yeah, the Dogs taught Hawthorne a lesson, absolutely cut them to pieces. Hawthorne couldn't move out of D50 as the Dogs set up a wall and stopped them in their tracks, uh, especially highlighted in the second term. They just couldn't, just couldn't get exit their 50. Mm. It was a uh, great defence. <laughs> uh, Hawks mounted a mini comeback, but uh, the Dogs had uh, all the answers with their dominance on the inside and on the outside. The Western Bulldogs won the hard ball as they do so from plus 13 contested possession, so getting it done in the coalface where it matters. Daniel and Bont and Pelley were fantastic. Daniel, 28, a goal, 11 marks. And his goal was uh, quite brilliant after an amazing mark at halfback. Um, And then Bont obviously got 28, 8 marks and 11 clearances. So he was amazing in um, the stoppages. Gunston and Bruce were sold for the Hawks. Uh, Gunston kicked three again whilst uh, Bruce was handy up forward and around the ground. He got 16 and also kicked a goal. I think Gunston along with a couple of others can probably yeah hold their head high for season twenty twenty. He's been he's been good up forward and pretty much a lone hand there. Yeah,
1: true. Gunston might want to go back to the
3: Crows. Oh, <laughs> oh wouldn't that be something? Back to South Australia. Sydney and Brisbane. Brisbane got the job done here. Um Yeah, they, they won. So it <laughs>
1: wow. was exciting. a pretty boring game, it. it was, it was yeah, a pretty boring um, game. Neil clamped down is what I was going to say. He, I think he only got 15 touches for the game, which is very well under what he normally does. Um, the Swans did a, a pretty good job of, of keeping him quiet, which was um, very interesting to see. And that's right probably part Clark, I the, think, did form
2: form a very good job. The former Roo, just finding a different role there.
3: Yeah. 32 points was the final margin there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it was a dour affair for three quarters. with only eight goals kicked. Uh But Brisbane broke Sydney in the last with six goals. Brisbane win their six in a row and cement a home final in the top two. So they will be playing at the Gabba. Uh, All results going as expected, they'll play the Tigers. That'll be very interesting, but we'll discuss that later. Mm. Late centre clearances were massive and highly beneficial in Brisbane's ability to score. Uh, Strangely, there were only 10 marks inside fifty between both clubs, highlighting that most goals were from general play. I think the conditions were pretty uh, slimy. Uh, Parker, was, <laughs> Parker was awesome with Yeah, you can call it Dewey if you like Stewie, Dewey Dewey uh, Parker was awesome with 33 disposals 2 goals, 5 clearances And Kennedy racked up 26 You got the tentacles 8 clearances Rich was brilliant for the Lions He took 10 marks with his 23 touches And Lions was one of their better midfielders so 20 and a goal, 5 clearances Speaking of midfielders, it didn't go super well and won't be polling Brownlee votes for this game was Lockie Neal. He got just the 15 tagged it very nicely.
2: Lyons is a very good player. He doesn't get much credit, but he's been super consistent. And For a bloke who was in and out of the side and, you know, what was he? Got Gold delisted Coast from Gold and Coast Adelaide and Adelaide. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really found his spot. But you're right about Neal. He had a frustrating day, copped a lot of attention and sort of lashed out at times and come under a little bit of scrutiny as we touched upon off the top with um, that tackle on Blakey, wasn't it? I think he played out the rest of the match, so I doubt we'll see any sort of discussion of him getting suspended. But it is a discussion and it does, as soon as you see a Brownlow fancy do something like that, particularly late in the season, particularly when we think we've all got the medal right on Lockie Neal, you start to wonder, you go, should we be seeing guys lose the biggest individual honour for sometimes minor things. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, we've seen incidents in the past. So I want to discuss with you boys today, should the fairest element, like Langer's touched upon in the intro, should that be a factor in what is an award given to the best player in the competition? I think, well, actually, I'll save my thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts first. Do you think that, you know, sometimes we see little tackles, sometimes they're bigger things and you get ruled out of the brown low? Should it be that way? Should it be black and white? Should there be other sorts of things involved? What do you think?
3: Yeah, this is a tough one. Because right. you have seen guys in the past, you got uh, Nat Fife, I'm pretty sure it was 2014, where he, I think that's when they brought in the uh, fine system because they, they just simply had to mark it as uh, a suspension just with the force and the grading tables they had at the time. It can be yeah, really tricky, and sometimes they ground-low medal contenders get different rules. Um, sometimes they don't, which a few other guys on the pod here might might discuss on. But yeah, the Nat 5 one stands out to me, and obviously you've got uh, Chris Grant. he have gone back a, a long time ago now, where he had the most votes, but he was ineligible to win it, and it was uh, very awkward on the night. So, And I'm sure there's been uh, a number of other players as well, I think. Stevie J was uh, he was in the top three, and obviously he got suspended. I think that's going back to 2013. Corey
2: McKernan, did he? That sounds
3: the same fate? that sounds pretty similar. So yeah, you, you'd hate to be the best player all year, and then you would do something silly and be, um, I suppose, miss out on it. And because there, it can be such minor things, and especially with this concussion uh, debate also coming into it has made it that that all almost rides a player out because of the, the damage and sometimes concussions gets, can call, caused by an accident, not necessarily <laughs> by a player's uh, deliberate action. So And they, they judge it very weirdly. I think, to sum it all up, I'd like there to be a bit of leeway on that. I think if you do something like atrocious or if you get X amount of weeks suspension, you're lucky probably to win the Brownlow anyway, but I think there should be some kind of threshold if you say more than three weeks suspension or something, you're ineligible. Good luck winning it if you lose uh, three weeks. But yeah, I think a bit of leniency on it couldn't hurt. But
0: we were talking about a malicious. Last, we were talking about it last week, Tiz, and you mentioned it there. There's a malicious action and a football action. If yes. it's a malicious action, you're out. If it's a football action, if you can win, okay. if you get suspended for a tackle and you missed two weeks, you are still eligible. And an example of that, not to keep bringing Geelong into it, but that's a very clear and present example is Dangerfield in 2017, tackled Matthew Cruiser, and to the eye, it didn't look that bad. And I remember walking around in town with my headphones on, listening and Dangerfield, getting a week. And I was like, are you kidding me? But, you know, this Neil tackle yeah. didn't look that bad and it could have potentially been. And Neil just as easily might get a week and he will be ineligible, but it is clearly undeserving of him to miss out on the Brownlow when he's clearly been the best and most consistent player over the year. And in, in regards to that too, Dangerfield in that year missed the one game and polled three votes vote short of potentially tying in the Brownlow medal. So you would hate for that to, to happen again this year. Neil obviously winning the Brownlow and not winning it because of a one-game suspension on a footy action.
3: Yeah, I wonder, it's, I wonder it's, how it would have gone with, uh, if if there was a concussion involved. That would have been very very interesting. He might have actually missed wow. out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, go chookie. <laughs>
1: Thanks mate. Chookie. <Chucky. laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. I was just going to say i I get the traditional element of best and fairest. It's quite a unique you know thing to say you are the best player, but you also were the the fairest player. I think I'd look back that maybe it was back in the days where where you didn't really get suspended for the sort of things that you can get suspended for now. You know, to get suspended back in those days, you probably actually had to do some continually pretty dirty actions and actually, you know, hit someone with quite malicious intent and a few of those sort of things. You know, that's back in the days where... Defenders used to basically just, you
0: just know, elbow the
1: back of the head just to stop them from taking a mark and get nothing for it. Even I the think, saying
0: best and fairest sounds like it was invented garbage, in like the 40s or yeah. 50s, doesn't it? Like the best and yeah. fairest player.
1: I think it's an interesting concept. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't want to go that it's just all, all in all, it's just the best. You were the best player, so you get it. I, I agree that there should be some sort of, Extension of the rule that you know, if if you got three weeks, or potentially an option where maybe votes get taken back or something potentially, but then that could lead to someone ending the Brownlow count on negative votes. <laughs> <laughs> <Jane>
0: <laughs> <Mumford> <laughs> on minus ten, 10 votes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I also, I just wanted to bring into take into account the fact that how it can affect. We mentioned how it can lead to a guy potentially missing the Brownlow, but it can also affect a lot of the voting in, in in its place. You think of umpires, the way that they adjudicate votes, they might in the back of their head go, geez, this would be awful if I gave this guy three votes and he ended up winning the thing. Maybe I will I can give him the two and I'll give the other guy the three. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that's something that potentially could sit in the back of a head going they don't want to end up having a, having that situation arise where someone you know, lost the Brownlow because of an action. They start... Mm. You know, finding areas they can take votes away from people and give them to someone else.
0: Yeah.
1: In that same extent, we see the the match review panel where they're favouring players who are up there for the Brownlow, and yeah. they might mm. should have gotten a week. I think the biggest case I can think of is uh, Chris Judd, who won the Brownlow after mm. he eye gouged Matthew Pavlich oh in Lord. a game that season. Mm. Technically, Gary Ablett probably could have won the Brownlow that year as the runner-up, but um. Yeah, I think that's a controversial one. People don't tend to overlook a little bit, but I think it was it was in the media fair bit when it happened and when Judd did it, but um he ended up getting away with that. But there I'm I to sum up, I agree with Tiz really that there should just be maybe a, a more lenient way to make it that it's you can't get penalised for, for a normal sort of tackle, more or less if you've consistently done something or if you've done something of such great extent that you don't deserve it. I still think the fairest element should exist.
0: And you're spot on with, even it just being a subconscious bias, Chuck, we even saw Toby Green in that game against Melbourne. He got kicked in the face (laughs) against, um, I think it was Jake Malkshen kicked him in the face. And I guarantee you, as everyone said on Twitter, if that was Toby Green doing that same action, it was a shin to the neck he would have got a free kick. Jake Melchin would have got a free kick, but because it was Melkson doing it on green, there was no free kick paid at all, but it was still clearly front-on facial high contact. So there are biases that exist in the AFL, whether it be for free kicks, whether it be uh, to advantage maybe Brownlow uh, potential winning players. Yeah, super interesting, boys. It's the best response I've ever got from a group of people
2: when I've discussed this because Thank you. I don't often get a stack of support. And I, you've brought up some really good points and ones that I was going to bring up anyway. I mean, I totally agree. The fairest and best. I mean, it's, it's an odd thing to talk about, isn't it? It is like a 40s, 50s Yeah, term, it's really
0: old-fashioned. I,
2: but I do feel as if there should be, like Chuck said, I think back in the day, you didn't want people – going around snotting blokes and still winning our best award. That happened way more. Those rules and standards were put in place for a game that is far dirtier than ours is now. It's very clean and very, you know, there's not many punches going around these days. And I think we should still have the license to penalise guys for an act that deserves a suspension to, to get the message across that you can't sling tackle or he got knocked out. You can't do that. It's a football action, but you cop a week rather than having this awkward thing that we almost don't dare think about, oh, no, we can't suspend the Brownlow favourite because, oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't go. Like, Mm. we dance around it. We almost don't want it to happen. You know, Neil does that and we all hold our breath. Goodness me, wouldn't this be terrible heading into Brownlow night? Get rid of it then. You know, Mm. I think just have, if, however you want to do it, I think one of you boys said, if you get two or more matches, yes, you're ineligible because that would highlight a suspension that you did something pretty bad. Or if you want to, allocated in the fact that if you get suspended for a striking offence, yeah, you're strike, out. You know, don't make ref- it yeah. just... Of course, you've got to have something in there, like you said, Chook, for fairness. But I don't see why we dance around this thing that we almost would just hate to ever have. And it causes inconsistencies like with Tommy Mitchell who just elbowed Goldstein in the oh, head and anyone else would have caught this. Yeah. Don't tell me otherwise. it's just because you're no the And I just think we're long gone... You know, if people miss a Brownlow medal for a slightly miseducated tackle that got a guy in his second year and he got knocked out, he's not a dog. He doesn't deserve to have all his good work undone. And like Tyson said, if you cop a week or something like that, there's three votes that you can't gather yourself. So it is still a penalty. Mm. But I just think we're playing night grand finals. We're doing six six six. I mean, Christ, and I talk about the Brownlow medal, all of a sudden we're traditionalists.
1: I mean, come on.
2: (laughs) Come on. It's not the biggest change we've done. I think we can certainly you can still call it the best and fairest, but let's be a little bit more lenient and still have the ability to suspend guys, but not rule them out of the best award in the game.
3: Yeah. Very nicely said, mate. And you, you touched on a point there that reminded me of Paddy Dangerfield in 20, 17, 2017, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, what year it is these days. <laughs> he, so his tackle on cruiser. I look back at the vision and i keep just wondering how, but obviously it's because of the outcome he got, uh cruiser obviously um slightly concussed He was concussed and he I don't think he came back on so it was basically purely on the the result not the intent and he did everything possible to roll him so that he wouldn't you know get too hurt. So, yeah. And uh, so then, then he, we play against Collingwood, obviously he has his week off and then the week after we play against the Pies and he's he is like the match winner. He kicks two, he yeah kicks, he gets twenty something touches. Kicks that goal and, from uh, sixty in the pocket. <laughs> Yeah, and like he was the only player looked likely all day and they gave the three votes to Menegal.
0: I don't think Dangerfield yeah. didn't, didn't get a vote. Yes, and yeah, sure. So salty at that. I remember that, yeah. If anyone can
2: watch that game, you got plenty of time in ISO, watch that game. If you don't think he's in the best three <laughs> players, I
3: will oh, buy you a slab. Yeah, it, so, um and they made that, you know, purely out of like trying to get it. Get over line for Martin and not making it awkward with Dangerfield sort of having them at least uh, say level or most amount of votes they uh, they just avoided it altogether or they could have just been a bit sort of uh, nicer on the rules and
0: we could have had a different brown line or for just, 2017. Just, just more common sense in general.
3: Thanks, thanks
2: Langs And that's the thing, that's, that's a good example because it's okay to give Danger a week you know, yes it was unlucky, I mean whether it's a week or not, but we shouldn't be Handcuffed by this massive responsibility of, okay, this is the incident, but the ramifications are far beyond. You know, this game—it's—it's it's more about the brownlow. We should be able to say, look, Patty, you can't do that. You knocked him out. you cop a couple weak. Learn your lesson. But hey, you can still win the brownlow. You know, you're not—you're yeah. not going around king hitting guys. So that, yeah, it's a really good example.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic um, discussion to have and very topical, Chuck.
1: I was just going to say, while we're on the brownlow discussions, I won't try and extend the convo too long. But if just a, a quick yes and no, do you think the umpires should still be the main adjudicators at the Brown though? I go yes. I think the media are pretty shocking when they do anything like the Norm Smith. So I wouldn't think anyone uh, else would be able to know any better.
2: I think yes as well. I like, we have a lot of awards that the media hands out, as you said, Chook and I like that uh, the umpires
3: have a role in that. Yeah. They're, they're right at the coalface and um, they're, I've got a really good view of it. So happy for the umpires to yeah, pick that
0: out. Yeah, happy for the umpires to keep doing it. I do really um, rate the coaches voting as well. Um, that's a pretty highly regarded uh, thing to win as well during the year. And Neil's clearly going to wear that, uh, win that. Um, I don't know if they could somehow work the coaches' votes into Brownlow three two one. 2 one I think there'd be too many numbers and too difficult. But I think just having that third-party neutral sometimes neutral um, thing in the umpires actually doing that is is the best way. We've done it for a long time. There's no issue with the actual voting and the Brownlow count itself, except for the ridiculously long wag thing at the start. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) as uh, as we talk about um, some other games, the Gold Coast versus Collingwood game is currently underway. And I think we all know who we've tipped in that game, but we'll move on to... The last week of football for 2020, we didn't think we were going to get a second week for a long time. And now we're entering the last round and finals are literally knocking on the door of my house. i have actually got to go into the door now anyway. But um, <laughs> no, let's get into the, um, let's, get <laughs> into the happening? let's get into Langers, the, let's get into the Langers, Langers, settle down, mate. We've
2: got to talk about something. We are oh. dead level in the yes. tip. Oh, so yes. We've already, oh, we've already spoken that. about this. We have. We will not be tipping we verbally be tipping. here for the order of fairness. Yeah. Langus has about 30 points on me in the little margin. So he's, yes. he's, he's a favorite, but I just think <laughs> fairness point of view, we'll do our tips secretly. So this is a Tiz and Chook show. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Okay. But I just thought well, I'd put it out there because I do think for fairness,
1: yeah. I'll give forewarning then. Um, I'm just probably going to throw my tips away just to see what can happen. Oh! To try and get some extra, <laughs> yeah, get the extra yeah. points if need be. Yeah. I, I can't lose any worse, so who knows what will happen. I think there might be, I
3: think there's only a couple of points in there, Chuck. so we'll, we'll see what happens, mate. It's going to take yeah. some crazy upsets and crazy results. Uh, north, they've got West Coast, Metricon Stadium. I've tipped the Eagles. North, uh, can't hurt a fly at the moment so uh oh, yeah. yeah the eagles should be doing pretty comfortably there even though it's away from west coast
1: yeah i haven't thrown it that far into the bin i'm going eagles <laughs> well.
0: you should just eagles. do it you should just go all the the non favored teams shook and see what you're i reckon there's going to be some mad up. i was talking with shorty before i reckon there'll be some mad upsets this week oh do you yeah okay oh.
3: i'll take that into account then sure. yeah great uh, so St. <laughs> St Kilda The Giants This one's at the Gabba. I've gone the Saints here The Giants uh, They may respond But gosh They yeah, they're, they're not very good At being consistent I've got a little bit more Faith in the Saints But It's going to be very tough
1: Yeah I might go The Giants For this one yeah. <laughs> Oh really Oh uh, yeah. yeah Do you want to do Your tip next first Or <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Sure thing, it's not like you highlighted what all your tips are, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Too shy. Um, Melbourne well, and the Bombers. Checkmate. Melbourne and the <laughs> Bombers, I will go for the Bombers to do something ridiculous. <laughs> <You're> I <kidding. laughs> seriously Melbourne. don't believe that. <laughs> Melbourne have done some silly things and. Um, you know, anything can happen. Well, did I not? Did I not already say it? I gave you four? Yeah, he did. He, he, did. he I'd like to see who out.
0: wins the Tyson and Chook Cup next
1: week. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. I like that Richmond uh,
3: <laughs> well, I'm going the Tigers here obviously. Chuck's going Chuck's <laughs> Juk, going, going to tip university to win this game. I think uh yeah the Tigers yeah they've been really good and they obviously want to keep their
1: top four spot in check. In hindsight it was idiotic of me to ride off the Tigers against the Cats and try and think the Cats were going to to win comfortably. I'll I'll take Ouch. that admission. But <laughs> You know, when I try to make logical decisions, they, they don't work out. So, bring on the Crows, I reckon. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> no, you not be are on We're a winning streak, it. guys. they are on a winning streak. No Lynch. No, um, it's going to be... Imagine if all different. your other
2: upsets come off and this yeah. is the one that comes undone. The biggest upset literally ever. That'd be insane. Oh,
3: well. I'll be up there. <laughs> I'll be up all night. has <laughs> 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 got him on the ropes. <laughs> I don't know why I'm nervous because I'm tipping the favourites. But uh, Brisbane have Carlton. This one's at the Gabba. Uh, it's hard to say Brisbane losing at the Gabba and it's hard to say Carlton winning. So, who, who do you think here, Chuck?
1: <laughs> give me a uh, bit of a look. I'll stick with the Lions for this one. Ooh. It okay.
3: Well, this game's tough because uh, Hawthorne have Gold Coast. This one's at Adelaide Oval. I swear Hawthorne live in Adelaide now. <laughs> I've gone Gold Coast. Uh, Hawthorne won four games and I don't think Gold Coast won many more than that. So... Yeah, genuine 50-50, I don't know. Gold Coast.
1: Um, I might. Tough as Hawthorne as well. were looking mm. all right. Have looked like they're all right at some times, but I just don't think they have the guys on. Pay. I think Gold Coast <laughs> will be able to get it. I'll or
0: stick ca- with the Suns, poor Gold Coast. Hawthorne keep retiring like triple premiership. Superstars against him, and Rufford yeah. kicks five, and Stratton will probably oh, fly no. forward and kick eight goals against Gold Coast. Poplar <laughs> will just be tackling them with off one step and holding the ball every time. And... Yeah, well, that's a really good point. I didn't even consider that. So Spe- speaking uh, of Sydney... Gold Coast, quickly, sorry, Alex Ses- Alex Sexton has kicked three goals, or in the first what? quarter, and Gold Coast are up against Collingwood, three goals to one. He's kicked right. all three goals so far. So I'll be watching this game. They're, they're the on hell? the Gold Coast. Damn.
1: He's
3: kicked three. That's really interesting because I had uh, a commenter on the channel saying, um, how do you possibly think it's going to be a close game between the Suns <laughs> and the Fires? And... Mate, I'm telling you, anything can happen this last and round and right now. Someone also commented and saying, how could you possibly tip the Crows to beat the Blues? So shout out
2: to... <laughs> you should do a stick it right up your video yeah, in response yeah, to everyone who questioned you Tizio's year, tirade,
0: that's certainly coming yeah. back. <laughs>
3: Uh, Well, Tyra goes to Metricon, and we have Sydney and Geelong. I think Geelong, if they want to be serious and keep their top four hope ambitions alive, they should get the job done. Too good here, I hope, I think, maybe, Uh possibly, maybe. I
1: uh, I haven't haven't tipped against the Cats all year. I'll probably just stick with them. Although I know all you guys will be tipping the Cats. (laughs)
3: Oh, yeah, I'll,
1: no. I'll stick with the cats, even though the potential. I'm sensing an upset could happen with the way the cats are playing.
3: <laughs> yeah, I reckon Sydney could beat us.
1: No, I took the uh, cats still.
2: It would be, <laughs> okay. be, be an enormous upset. It'd be huge. An enormous upset. And I'd be enormously
3: upset.
1: Fremantle
3: <laughs> <Freemander> had, <laughs> had the Western Bulldogs. This one's at Kazali and this one Fre- could go either way. Freo. gosh, Freo are looking absolutely spicy. But I've spicy. gone to the Western Bulldogs. Just, I think it'll be a close game, but uh, they're very tough in the midfield, and they're tough to beat. So, yeah, tough true.
1: Game. The Dogs have been storming home, but Fremantle's, you know, making a bit of a, a run for themselves as well. They might. They might want to just do this for their for their last game. It's, they know it's going to be their last game of the year and they want to finish it off, you know, fighting for 2021. So I'll, I'll be back in the Dockers. I reckon they might be able to pull off some magic.
3: Yeah, let's hope so. Collingwood have Port Adelaide. This one's at the Gabba. The way the Pies are going at the minute, uh, mm. unless something crazy happens from here and Port does something crazy. I have to go Port. And Pretty I comfortable. will go... The
1: magpies.
3: Oh <laughs> no, nah, you, you can't throw it away, mate. Come on. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, you oh, never oh, know. Yeah. If, if Gold
0: <laughs> Coast lose to, to Collingwood, if if, oh. if Collingwood lose to Gold Coast, they'll be out. They need a win oh. to stay in finals, so they might come out yeah. firing It'll and be a, beat Port.
1: They'll just yeah, be, well. you know, think of it as an elimination final for them against Port, who are just
0: cruising. Love and They're light. already locked in. They're, locked in. They're locked into top yeah. two. Yeah,
1: a oh. gabber, so let's see. Let's see the pies okay. take them on, take them down.
3: Port might not want to play. Uh, Richmond straight up so you know Mm. uh, they might want to play Geelong instead oh he's sensing Mm. a Yeah,
1: Yeah,
3: if if results go to plan um, Mm. yeah it'll be interesting there's always a bit
2: of tension between Tiz and Chook in the tips I love it (laughs)
0: yes yes I like it no boys it's been very good to have you all this week we've got one round left and then we're into the spicy stuff oof I wait the bye yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> what uh, a great rule. <laughs> a great bring rules. back AFLX for the buyer week. Oh. Before, <laughs> with, the, not, with the non-competing mm. finals teams. Um, thank you for joining me this week, though. As always, if you are listening, please make sure you comment on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you're listening. Let us know what you think about the Neil situation with the Brownlow Best and Fairest how you think your team's gone this year. Give us a score out of 10 for how your team's gone. Um, let us know. Roast us about our terrible opinions as we talk about football and, you know, whatever. We just love some fan commentary in general and uh, correspondence. So, boys, thank you again for joining me. Thanks, Happy mate. to be here, as Thanks always. Thanks for your correspondence and utensils. <laughs> You'll hear from us next week. Catch up. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you follow us on the socials so you don't miss any content. AFL Unlimited, because footy is limitless.